All right. I was extremely impressed by the uh, submissions into the Youth Science Canada online STEM science fair. Uh, this is after weeks of dedication. They are now showing and showcasing their projects to the Canadian public online. And it's at makeprojects.com slash YSC. Okay, this has gone well beyond the volcano and the baking soda trick of our youth and the Bristol boards you used to beg your parents for um, when you were a kid with the science fair. We are joined by Rennie Barlow, who's the executive director of the Youth Science Canada, about the Youth Science Canada online STEM fair. Welcome to the show. Good to have you along. Oh, thanks very much. Okay, so did the science fair go online because of the pandemic or was this always intended? Well, it's a little of both, actually. Uh, we had planned uh, probably a couple of years down the road to offer an online um, STEM, STEM project uh, showcase for youth all across the country as part of the strategic direction that we're going in terms of being able to connect with more youth. Um, but the pandemic just accelerated that, uh, that process. And so uh, um, we uh, decided to offer a, an online STEM fair for all students in grades 7 to 12 across the country who had done some kind of STEM project this year. Okay, did they have to qualify to get on the website or uh, enter their projects? Because these projects are, they are super impressive. Yeah, the uh, no, the uh, there was no requirement to, to qualify. Uh, we opened it to every grade seven to twelve student across the country. But uh, there are about uh, half a million kids every year who do some kind of STEM project, um, and uh, about twenty five thousand of them normally find their way to our uh, one hundred and three regional science fairs. And most of those regional fairs were canceled this year, as well as our big national championships, the uh, the Canada wide science fair. So we just thought it would be best to open it up to every student in the country who wanted to share their project. So are these kids advanced students? Because honestly, I remember doing science fairs and it was like you're growing beans in little baby food jars wrapped in, you know, paper towel. These are super advanced. They're beyond volcano and baking soda. Oh, they're way past that. The uh, and and are these advanced kids? I mean, some of them would be, but um, these are these are regular, um, you know, grade seven to twelve students from across the country who just uh, have embraced the whole idea of doing a STEM project and uh, become passionate about it and uh, work their way uh, work their way through it. It's a, it's a fantastic process, and there really is no better way of engaging youth uh, in developing um, science, technology, engineering, and math skills. Now, I'm a big fan of, of science. That was one of my stronger suits when I was in uh, grade school. The weird thing is, and high school, the weird thing is uh, math was not my strong suit, but chemistry, I was all aboard. So I would, I obviously have a natural interest in this uh, going online and perusing all of the projects that are available at makeprojects.com slash YSC. But can I just give people an indication of one of, I clicked on, the. this is the very first project I clicked on. By Nicholas Diplas. He's a 12-year-old. So what's that, grade six? So he says, uh, and this no, is... Grade seven. Grade seven. Okay. Yeah. Here's his... You're familiar with his project thing? Um, well, or you just know by grade 12, we, we or when, if they're 12, they're in grade seven. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, it, it, here it is. 12-year-old with limited resources and knowledge. He wanted to find out if they could create a simplistic but workable prosthetic hand for around $300. My specific goals were to 3D print and assemble the hand using materials that would be as cheap as possible, to send the actual plastic filament through rigorous durability testing, and to gauge the prosthetic's overall responsiveness and usability. By the end, I had assembled a rudimentary prosthetic for a mere fraction of the cost of an actual myoelectric hand. The durability of the plastic was much better than expected. The only issues concerning the actual build of the prosthetic would be to use a tougher material to loop together the finger pieces. Though my project was a success, I still feel that even if the most efficient, affordable, and attainable prosthetic was created, it would not aid the people who need it. This is because in the vast majority of the world, amputees and prosthetics are looked down upon as lesser than human. The overall point of this project was to try and prove to those at my school and from there the world that humans cannot be broken. That's the average entry into your <laughs> science fair. Can you yeah. just give us an idea? Because that's just mind blowing to me. You know, the projects are divided into categories. Give us um, an indication of the categories. And if you can just maybe highlight uh, one of the more impressive projects that you saw. Sure. So the, uh, the, the four, the, the eight categories, uh, they're, they're actually eight challenges. Um, are intended to get students thinking about uh, issues and areas that are of particular, you know, concern globally, nationally, locally, and uh, and so the eight challenges are agriculture, fisheries, and food as as one group, um, curiosity and ingenuity, which really is a a bit of a catch-all for all the projects that don't uh, really fall into any of the other challenges, but are addressing you know really intriguing scientific questions or tackling. Um, uh, you know, an, an interesting uh, innovation trying to solve a particular problem that, again, doesn't fit one of the other challenges, and that's where uh, that's where Nicholas's project uh, falls. Um, and then digital technology, um, disease and illness, energy, environment and climate change, health and wellness, and natural resources. And so, you know, you see from that that we're, we've moved well beyond, you know, the sort of biology, chemistry, physics type uh, projects. We're really encouraging uh, youth to look at um, at areas that that need addressing, you know, where there where we have pressing problems, and uh, and in fact, in disease and illness, we actually have COVID nineteen projects. So, uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty interesting. What kind of COVID nineteen projects did you get? Oh, we've had some that are trying to do uh, a, like a. a Sort of digital analysis of the data that's coming in uh, on trying to predict where uh, the next outbreak might be. Uh, we have some projects related to uh, personal protective equipment, uh, that sort of thing. So, so some of these projects have been developed even in the last couple of months. Um, most of them, I would say, were probably developed um, uh, prior to the uh, the pandemic uh, hitting uh, because they were intended to be entered in regional science fairs, uh, which mostly take place in March and April, um, but. Uh, we we know we have some that have been developed in the last couple of months. Well, they've really upped their game. So what stands out to you? Um, I think, uh, you know, rather than specific projects, I think what... I knew what you weren't going to pick a favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what stands out to me really is the, uh, you know, the creativity and the ingenuity, the depth uh, that uh, that students demonstrate. Every year um, at science fairs, whether it's at the regional level or the or the national level, we're blown away by the, you know, the the 
the problems that students identify, many of them are um, uh, have a, a sort of a personal story behind them. You know, the student uh, has a you know a relative who uh, you know is, has a particular challenge. You know, perhaps they have a disability, or perhaps they've you know they have some kind of uh, uh, you know disease or illness, or or they're you know trying to solve a problem that's related to uh, to their school, or they they look and and they see that uh, you know something like COVID nineteen or uh, challenges uh, in, in terms of making a transition to uh, um, alternative energy, or they're looking at uh, issues related to climate change um, and, and trying to resolve issues uh, along the lines of, uh, you know, trying to predict uh, the next forest fire or the next flood mm. or, um, you know, trying to develop devices uh, to help mitigate against those. Um, grade 7 to 12 students have, uh, you know, incredible ideas and incredible talent. And uh, we often seriously underestimate their uh, their ability. But uh, what we try to do is to uh, give them an opportunity to uh, to work on those ideas, to encourage them the, to uh to tackle these uh, really challenging problems and then uh, give them a showcase and uh, an opportunity to recognize the work that they've done. They are so plugged in. It's so incredible. And it's so, it makes me proud to be Canadian. Judges have been reviewing the entries and they will compile a list of outstanding science projects. That happens today. Has it already happened? Have you put it up online? Because earlier Not this morning, I didn't yet. see no, that. We're, uh, we're just, I would say in the next few hours, we're going to be uh, we're going to be releasing the, uh, the ruin results. Is there a winner per category? Is there a cash prize, bragging rights? Do we not award uh, winners anymore because it's everybody wins because they played along? No. <laughs> no, normally at the, uh, the National Science Fair, the Canada-wide Science Fair is a really competitive event um, with big cash prizes and, and, um, uh, and, and some trips, uh, international trips and scholarships and, uh, and so on. But for this event, uh, we decided to keep it low competition um, because we were opening it to uh, every grade 7 to 12 students. So the only prizes available are virtual ribbons, uh, but we have them at three levels. So um, we have a set of regional uh, ribbon winners. So the the students from all the regions across the country the uh, have been judged sort of within their region. And so if they win a regional ribbon, it means that they were the best from their uh, from their region of the country. Um, and uh, then we have some national level ribbons judged by our Youth Science Canada national judging team. And uh, so that they will be the best of the uh, the regional winners uh, at the national mm -hmm. level. And then we have um, another set of ribbons uh, at the uh, challenge level. So those are the best within each of the challenge areas. But no participation ribbles, ribbons, right? Because no we kids see through ribbons. that. I still have mine and I look at them and go, really? I, I did when I was awarded it and I still do now. Yeah, no participation ribbons. But, you know, the, I think the best part is that, you know, even if a student doesn't win a ribbon, you know, they've, they've had the opportunity to share their project uh, with, you know, hundreds, thousands of students uh, and, and others, uh, visitors across the country. Uh, you know, just as a side note, we have almost 30,000 uh, students signed up to participate in the home learning program. Um, cool. uh, teacher, teachers and parents can go to uh, uh, the website and, uh, and click the, uh, the parents and teachers link. Uh, 
sign up to receive a, a PDF uh, teacher guide and student guide. And as I say, we have about 30,000 students already signed up. The fair continues uh, in terms of being open uh, for all of June and through the summer. And then in September, the goal is to uh, relaunch and lead into the 2021 uh, science fair season. So uh, I got to leave it so, at that, Rennie, because we're up against the news. But makeprojects.com slash YSC is the website. I want to thank you for your time. And very quickly, any volcanoes this year? No, no volcanoes. <laughs> Amazing. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Thanks, Rennie. You, you too. Thanks very much.